Welcome to Fred Basin's Diaries, read here by Clive Farahar. This is a book collector podcast sponsored by Adrian Harrington Rare Books of Tunbridge Wells. Fred Basin's Diaries, Part 9. Nineteen forty one. Incendiary bombs destroyed my den and thousands of cigarette cards, autographs, and valuable souvenirs. Heartbreaking to clear the muck out into the garden as the farmer put their big hoses on my fragile things. I stood and cried. Twenty five years to collect and twenty five minutes to absolute ruin. My leg fractured, ribs bad. Part of the house fell on me as I was in the next street while my own blazed. What bloody luck! Blast Hitler! He won't stop me. I'll start again. Hell to him! Dad and Liz cleared up the mess. Half the roof off. The front wall is out and my once so cosy den is open to the sky and the view of gapers. I've gone into the back room in the basement. It's all still damp from the fire hoses. But it'll do. It's got to do. War or no war. I must have a spot to write until they bundle me off to hospital. I'm in hospital at Tring. I find trouble speaking and keep crying for no bloody reason except the blues. People are so kind here. Lovely nurses. Kind commandant. Do their best. I do a bit of writing. Takes myself out of myself. Have a free seat at the local cinema to go when I wish. Too far to a town. Also kind. I can't seem to want to read. The nights drag. Poor chap in the next bed has lung trouble from the blast. Coughs his guts up. And Sandy is a sure goner. I wish they'd move me. I'll listen and listen. I'll get the wind up at the very wind. Peaceful places aren't always peaceful. Give me Warworth. I'm here for two or three weeks. I have a BBC date in July. Must pull myself together. I've been invited to Friars Bookshop in Aylesbury being taken there for an hour in a car, a broken bookman's holiday to a bookshop. I'm in a Red Cross hospital at Watford, where I've been transferred from Tring, feel a nervous wreck. They say I'll be here six months, but I won't. Hold on, Freddy, and chin up. There's only one Frederick Thomas Basin in the world, and you've been told to take it easy. Well, do it! But what of Lizzie and my folks? It's hell to be away from it all. On coming home, I found Leonard Strong has kindly sent me his book on John McCormack, the singer, as a Christmas gift. I only once met this singer and he wasn't in an amiable mood because some critic had criticised his choice of songs. No, it wasn't me. So I didn't get his autograph, but did so later via post. I told John Cormack that me, I didn't care what he sang so long as he kept on singing. I ended up the evening by popping over to the New Cross Empire and hearing Vera Lynn. I did not get her autograph. It was too bloody cold to stand around. This has been a lucky Friday. Clark Hall buying 50 clean Crown Octavos for a fiver and good old effers of Cambridge nobly buying a run of R. Kipling. I'm glad to part with it at £3.10. Shillings. I make 32 shillings on Clark Hall and 5 shillings on R. Kipps. 37 shillings profit this day. I'm at peace with the world and I wish the world was at peace. This blasted war is getting on all our nerves. 
What the ick is Malibran? Agate wants a book on Malibran. Is it a horse? It suddenly occurred to me that men who were about to get married would do well to look through their prospective bride's family album. It might yield a warning. 1942. Today... Burroughs has printed my book Toys for Nothing, 60,000 copies to sell at ninepence a copy. I had to sell it outright. They wouldn't entertain royalties. All I got was 12 quid or so. Written all whilst I was in hospital to stop me going mad with dull inactivity. I do hope it stops children in shelters from that same waiting and inactivity and that they can make the toys I've devised. It will be my own little war effort. I'll buy two hundreds and give them away to local kiddies when I get out and about. I've accepted an invitation from the master and undergraduates of Emmanuel College, Cambridge, to spend a week at Emmanuel College as a guest of the college. This is some scheme of for ARP wardens, either injured or not been out of London since 1939. I'll go with a warden from the next district. I'm at Emmanuel and all so very nice to us, and make us both feel so welcome. Called in on WFS Bookshop, and welcome there as well. One thing worth recording, I took a large suitcase full up, and had a change of clothes, etc., so as to be tidy on all occasions. The other warden took three things. A second handkerchief, a comb, and a toothbrush, and that's all he took. When his shirt is grubby, he washes it then and there and lays it in the bed until it's dried. He says he's always travelled light, but God, this is too light. Not even toothpaste. He takes salt from the salt cellars to clean his teeth with. Blimey! Have you ever been stony broke? I've been in that unhappy position three times in the past 26 years, and I can tell you it's not very pleasant. You get some nasty pain in your tummy. And you feel very sorry for yourself. Envy everyone and seek money anyhow. And when you're broke, you either have to pawn your second suit or sell a personal treasure in order to get some food and some stock to start over again. On the third, and I hope, please God, last occasion I was hard up, I'd been ill over a period of three months in which I couldn't take out my barra. Load of books. I'd sell my one remaining treasure, for I hadn't got a second suit. That treasure was a nice first edition of Arnold Bennett's Old Wives' Tale. I did about five years, and it was my nest egg. Now I knew that if I took it to a bookseller pal, I would get twelve quid for it in cash. But I had then a nodding acquaintance with its author, because we both attended first nights regularly, he in the stalls, me up in the gods, and sometimes exchanged a few words regarding the shows we'd seen. He was never a snob. Well... It happened that there was this first night that I was pretty sure Bennett would attend, and although I couldn't myself afford to go into the show, I waited until it was over in the hope of seeing him and asking him kindly to autograph my first edition, because I knew that I could obtain a slightly higher price, around 15 quid for it, after it had been autographed. And I had to get the highest price possible, for it was my only good book, and the proceeds would put me on my feet again. When he came out, I raised my cap and asked if he'd obliged by autographing my copy of his great book. He refused. He said he was constantly being pestered to sign this or that or the other. Then he spoke about the play, which he hadn't enjoyed, but I wasn't a bit interested. I felt very depressed, and for two pins I'd burst out crying. 
I said, look here, Mr. Bennett, you'll go from here to a restaurant and you'll pay 30 bob for your supper and I hope you'll enjoy it. I ain't got 30 pence. This one and only book is my last bit of capital. To get it signed means I'll probably get three or four quid more tomorrow when I sell it. For sell it, I must. I didn't want to tell you this. It's not amusing to be hard up. To sign it won't cost you anything, but means a lot to me. Won't you oblige me, please? He put his head to one side and sort of looked at me with one eye. He didn't speak. I stood there feeling very miserable with myself and more than somewhat annoyed with Mr Arnold Bennett. I had my say. I wasn't going to beg. Dwell with it. I got back before on my feet and honestly without begging and I'm blooming well going to do it again. I was out to move off when he took the book from under my arm and taking the fountain pen from of all places the side pocket of his thin black overcoat he signed an almost undecipherable signature across the title page. I thanked him and as he gave me back my book I think he read my thoughts because I was thinking why did he suddenly change his mind? He said, you're wondering why I refused, and now I've signed your copy. I did it so that you will remember this occasion and never become penniless again. And with those words he left me. And I've always remembered this occasion, and so far I've not been broke. any rate, he autographed the old wife's tale, and I sold it at 9.30 the next morning for £16 in cash. And before an hour had passed, I spent three pounds of that money on food, a hot bath, a shave and two pairs of shoes. By two o'clock, I had a hundred respectable looking books to put on my barra and sell it around sixpence to ninepence each. Five thousand incomplete children's comics to put together and to make complete again and some three hundred magazines to sell it at a penny each. I had food, stock and cash in hand. All this happened nearly twenty years ago, but it's not a thing one forgets. It served as an introduction to my meeting with Maugham because I invested six quid of that £16 in some first editions of his. I did this because Arnold Bennett advised me to do so. This advice proved good because less than six weeks later I was introduced to an American dealer and resold them at 12 quid. That was double my money. Now when I met Maugham, I told him all about the assigned old wives' tales and the advice Bennett had given me to buy a few Maugham firsts and how profitable we had turned out. He said that it was characteristically kind of Bennett to have obliged me and he laughed when I retold the moments of the suspense when Bennett changed his mind. Maugham said I ought to write all about it some day as it would make a pretty interesting reading. But I said I'd never written and I hadn't any style or much education. I asked him to give me some advice on the gentle art of becoming an author and he said, get a bottle of good ink, a pen with a smooth nib, any amount of paper and write. You have to serve your apprenticeship in writing as in all professions. There's no easy road to success. You have to practice and practice until you feel you're writing readable stuff and you'll very soon know. Let disinterested strangers read your work and they'll tell you. As for style, don't worry about it. Put down your thoughts as you would say them. Let that be your style and don't use big words when little ones will do just as well. Finally, don't write on what you know nothing about. This is the best that I can give you, Fred. I'll put down the actual words that WSM used because I wrote them on the back of a cigarette carton as he spoke them. When Maugham called upon me, looking around my stock of books, he pulled out a battered copy of Hazlitt's Table Talk 
and said I should read and reread this classic, that it would teach me a great deal more of the art of writing than he could. More also advised me to read Milton's Paradise Lost and the Fitzgerald translation of Omar Khayyam. I took his advice, but except for the Aslit, I don't think I got much out of it that did me any good. That was Clive Farragher, reading part nine of Fred Basin's Diaries, a book collector podcast. It was sponsored by Adrian Harrington Rare Books. If you enjoyed it, why not consider subscribing to The Book Collector, a quarterly journal in print and online for all those who take pleasure from books. Thebookcollector.co.uk has all the details. <laughs>